I want to shift now and spend some time to looking at how we are being in the classroom. And I would actually, other people may have a different opinion about this, so this is just my own opinion that your presence in the classroom, how you're being classroom or however, whenever with anybody, but focusing on kids here, is at least as important as what you were doing, and it may be more important. Um, I'm thinking to some of the schools that, that I taught in, and um, I wondered if coming in with a mindful, loving, kind presence, maybe for, for all I know, for some of these kids, it's the only time in the week they get that. You know, if they're, if they're having stressed out teachers, I'm not criticizing the teachers, or if who knows about their home life situation, everything. And just that alone can be so powerful. And so we talk, I'm, basically I'm going to talk for maybe 10 minutes at the most here. Before I keep going, I guess I should tell you, I'm going to talk for about 10 minutes or less. And then I'm going to guide us in about five minutes of uh, just a guided reflection. I've um, already said several times about it's just clear to us and hopefully clear to all of you the importance of some kind of, we call it practice. But really it's not the practice, it's the actual uh, living presence. So practice is, in, is obviously in support of that. We all need, you know, if we want to, to be more peaceful and open-hearted, then um, hopefully we all have those qualities within us. But um, what happens when we bump up against our edges? That's actually what I want us to take a look at uh, in this session, is um, working with our edges. Um, places that it's not easy to naturally stay with your heart open and loving, you know, or behaviors that might frighten us or where we're angry or we're feeling fearful. Um, those are the places, and certainly in the classroom, I can think of just coming in from the outside. It's one thing to come in as a mindfulness teacher and the kids are well-behaved and they're into it and they're appreciative and they're getting it. And it's another thing to walk into a classroom where, you know, if the class is falling apart. Kids are yelling things out. Um, the teacher is stressed out and yelling at the kids. I was sharing in the breakout session that the very first school we did for mindful schools, it was the pilot program, and um, it was a pretty tough school. And I went into a fifth grade class, and this is not what I'm about to say is in no way to criticize the teacher. I had a lot of uh, compassion for this teacher because it was a tough class. I think that they had been through. She was the fifth teacher of the year through there. So, yeah, so all, I think those are the classroom teachers who just gasped. So, you know, the, the and you know, some of these kids are you know who knows are in foster care. I don't know if they even had come to school with breakfasts or just kind of one of these situations. And so again, I'm not blaming the teacher. She a new teacher too. <laughs> So she was just thrown into the, with the alligators, you know. And uh, it, was a, it was a particularly challenging class. And one day I walked in and she was just screaming at the kids. And I remember uh, 
coming in and she was saying, and now Mr. Richard's here to do mindfulness and if any of you kids don't settle down, we're not doing the mindfulness, so thank you. Okay, Mr. Richard, take it away. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I'm just, <laughs> I don't remember what happened after that. <laughs> I probably disassociated, <laughs> I don't know. So um, we do the best we can. Again, you know, I'm not, it wasn't criticizing that teacher, but we do the best we can. I was just trying to make a point. So when we come in, uh, I know many of you are classroom teachers, so that's a particular situation because it's a little different from those of us who go in who are, you know, you just kind of come in from the outside. You don't have the ongoing day-to-day, the discipline issues, the problems and everything. But for each of us, there's these two aspects. There's one of how do we embody what it is we're trying to convey the most, right? So when you're teaching mindfulness to the kids or if you're teaching them math, right? How do we not lose ourselves, our presence, whatever that is, um, even when it can be challenging. And especially if you're there in day in and day out and it can wear you down, you know, it's not that we're, we're, we can't be human beings and we're perfect, but we need to deepen. This is why the, the more we live, the more authentically and deeply we live, um, manifest a kind heart and a sense of presence then even if there's times when we have to be um, maybe quite stern, it's a, diff- it's a real different place if it comes from a place that's non-reactive within us. And so we're just heading in a direction, right? You don't have to be perfect all the time, but this is the direction. This is the things to start keeping in mind. So it's for when we get reactive, and, um, and then I'm thinking... This is in general, but also in particular for those of us who are teaching mindfulness, you need to embody what you're teaching, right? So it's, it's both. Ultimately, we don't want to um, make such an artificial separation between the small amount of time where we're actually teaching emotional intelligence and mindfulness and resiliency and learning tools for calming down and paying attention and all these tools and all the rest of the time when, when we're in the, if for those of you teaching the rest in the classroom, that it's, a, it's, it's seamless as much as we can. So what will support us to do that? So there's two areas. One, we're already um, practicing here. And that'll be the a whole piece of, you know, how do we, as we carry on through our lives, what will support us to have some kind of ma- mindfulness practice, especially given that, you know, I don't really know anyone here. Uh, there's a few people I know. I don't know anyone here well. But all of us will have, you know, full lives, whatever that looks like. You know, after a day of working, we're tired. Maybe we don't want to meditate for even five minutes or whatever. Or, uh, or there may be many other pulls and challenges. So I'm not going to get into that part so much now. We, I hope we'll be able to talk about how to take mindfulness practice home with us and what will support us. But I just want to name that. And then turning our attention now to actually exploring what I'm calling um, our edges, 
or the places where it can be challenging or we do tend to lose it. Um, not so easy for us to keep our hearts open and our, our minds quiet where we do tend to get reactive. If we can really bring our mindfulness to those places, um, there may then be times in the moment when rather than just habitually reacting, getting caught up in it until and not realizing until, you know, five minutes, ten minutes, a day later, oh, I got caught up in that situation. But in the moment, sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's enough just to be mindful, to wake up out of the trance, if you will, what I call being just caught up or being on automatic pilot. Now, you can't make yourself wake up, right? It's just like when you're sitting here meditating this morning. And, matter of fact, let me ask a question here. Do you remember from this morning when we were giving instructions and, you know, you say whatever, being with the breath and the body. Do you remember what the instruction was when you got lost in thinking and you were just gone? Anyone want to say what was the instruction? Come back. Start over. Celebrate. celebrate. Don't be happy that you're back. Yeah. It was actually a trick question. <laughs> when you're lost, there's no instruction. You're gone. You don't even know you're gone. There's no instruction. Instruction kicks in once you wake up and you realize you're back. And then we say, come back and start again. Right? So my, the way I talk about it is we just don't worry about the time when you're gone. I mean, we, you, know, you may react. and if you're, if it's, in, it's one thing when you're sitting here quietly meditating. If, if that happens in your daily life or your work life, I mean, worry's not the way, but I mean, yeah, we want to, you may act in ways that are unskillful and cause more difficulties for yourself and others. So certainly there could be consequences just depending on how you naturally react. But, my, but you don't worry about it because you can't stop it when you're gone. But what we can do is, over time, strengthen the, the habit of mind. If we use this word conditioning our mind, it's the tendency or the habit so more and more of the time, we've strengthened that, that natural, we're, just, we're more present and awake naturally more, more of the time. And we tend to be less lost, less, or less deeply, and less of the time. So that's a fruit of this practice. And when you're gone and lost and caught, okay, you're caught up. So that's the importance of practice in the bigger picture to strengthen that support. The other aspect of it is, and so then, as I said, sometimes just by, you know, you wake up out of that, the trance, if you will, or the reactivity, and you know what's happening in the moment, and that's all that's needed. And then you can let go or react or respond appropriately. That's not always enough. Sometimes um, knowing that you're very frustrated or angry, it's, all, it's a necessary step, but it may not be a sufficient step. And so we may need to find ways to learn how to actually bring the intensity down enough so that we can have more choice. You know, think in your own life. Have you ever had times? I know the answer 
that's yes for all of us. You haven't even heard the question. We've all had times when the pull towards whatever, it might be anger or just to act in some way is so strong, you know, you're so whatever in the moment that, you know what, I don't want to be kind right now. I want to tell them because they're wrong and I'm right and they need to hear, you know, it's just a strong energy. So we have to be very respectful of those energies when that happens. So if you're in the classroom and that happens, I think honor is, is kind of a, maybe a kind of a strange word to use, but very respectful. It's a real strong pull. It's not like, oh, I should or shouldn't. It's like we want to, so we may need other tools. So our mindfulness, ability to calm down, knowing when to step away, just so many, many tools. I want to focus on one particular piece now for the rest of our time together. Taking some time to consciously reflect on where some of our edges may be. What are some of the things or behaviors for each of us, and of course we're all different, that tend to be sticky places or challenging or difficult places where we do tend to get caught or reactive, where it's not easy for the heart to stay open. And perhaps many of you have already done different kind of self-reflective work around this. And for some, perhaps these particular things, maybe not. So we've gained some familiarity. We're using our mindfulness, but also kind of a reflection, if you will, to come to know these parts of ourselves. And it's not like there's anything wrong with us. We all have edges. So we want to be familiar with them, not be afraid of them or think there's something wrong or anything, but actually, um, what I was, I was going to say what I'm about to say, but now I realize I am going to say it. So I'm not sure about that. They're, in a way, they're, they, they could actually turn and they're almost a friend because they're showing us something. They're showing us the place. So if you have a commitment, for example, to be in the classroom and say you took an idealistic uh, commitment uh, or a big commitment, you know, really always be the most effective with the kids, the most loving and non-reactive and present that you can, always, no matter what. Actually, I, I, I wish I hadn't called that idealistic. It's just, it's just a real beautiful intention. Say, for example, you want to know where the places are. So when, when you aren't that way, you didn't do anything wrong. It's a friend in the sense it's a teacher. It's showing you, oh, here's the place where I need to do more work. Ah, I need to tend to this. So that's kind of the spirit with which I'd like to do this next process, okay? Okay. So we're going to do, this is going to be about maybe five minutes. I'm going to do it's a little guided, which like a guided meditation, but it's just some guided reflection, very short. And then, as I said, we'll, we can, I'll break us into some groups and tell you what we'll do next. So as you're settling in and adjusting your posture... Just noticing, even just what I've said about this and and what I'm telling you we're going to do, just notice that it may or may not have stirred anything up for you. So just checking in.
And then using your breathing, checking in with your body. And basically I have four questions and I'm going to say each one in slightly different ways to see which one, which way resonates for you. And as I ask these questions, you can, you may relate to one question more than another. And I'll say a little more and I'm just going to ask you to, it may not be words in the mind. It, it, it's, it may just be, you already know your answer. Or it may be there's just a felt nonverbal sense, maybe a vague sense. Or it may be you want to use some thinking, that part of your mind, to contemplate in a little bit. So it's whatever serves you to, to engage in this, reflective, in this reflection most that works best for you. So here's the first question. In what kind of situations do you tend to tend more easily or more more readily to get caught or to get reactive? There may be some specific situations that are triggering for you that you know of or specific types of situations. Or you just may have a general sense of knowing that, you know, when a person acts a particular way or it may not be a specific situation, but you just know the types of behavior that are more challenging, more reactive, tend to get caught in them. Maybe it may be actions, you know, particular kids who always or never, whatever it is. It could be coworkers, administrators, teachers, parents. What kind of situations, in what kind of situations do you tend to get caught or reactive? And as you're reflecting, from time to time, check in to the body. If nothing else, maybe just in the area of the belly. <clears throat> May not bring up any, you know, if, particularly if a, if a challenging situation comes to mind that really happened. If it brings some reactivity up now. So just notice that. That's all. Just noticing. We're noticing. So that was that question. In what situations do you tend to get caught or reactive? Another way to say it is, what kind of behaviors are most difficult or challenging for you to be present with? What kind of behaviors are most difficult or challenging for you to be present with? And of course, it could be anything. 
For those of you working with kids, you may want to think about, you know, what ways are there that the kids can be that are just really tough for me to not lose it or to just be present with. Or with the administration, if you're, or whether you're an administrator yourself or a teacher. Or with the district. What kind of behaviors are most difficult or challenging for you to be present with? And now I'll can let that one go. Actually, if it, if it doesn't, I'm going to offer you another question. But if one of the previous ones wants to stick around in your mind, that's fine. You don't, you, you don't have to push it away. But if you want to let that go, I'll offer another question. For what situations, people, or things is it hard for your heart to stay open with? What situations, people, or things make it hard for your heart to stay open? Then I want to offer one last question. And this last one, if you don't relate to it, it's fine. Some of you may relate to this. And for some of you, this question just may not land at all for you. And that's fine. Just let it go. What situations are you most afraid of? Are there any situations with the kids that you might be most afraid of? Or interactions with peers or parents? Are there any situations like that for you? There may not be. Maybe one of the other questions might resonate for you more. Okay. Okay. So letting that all, you can let that go now. If you, you can keep your eyes open if you want to close. If you want to open your eyes, it's fine. And staying just in your body, staying connected with, if anything, if nothing came up for you, that's fine too. And what I want to ask now is, and don't, don't move yet, let me just tell you what we're going to do. And remember, as we said, of course, it goes without saying that um, you know, participation in everything is always voluntary. But I'm going to ask you in just a moment to get into groups of, just one moment, to get into groups of three. And um, if there's a person, if there's a group of two, um, we'll have you 
split off one or two to go and join. There might be a couple of groups of four. So if you're a group of three and someone comes to join you, please welcome them into your group. And what I'd like to ask you to do is uh, have you move into your group just in a moment. And I, I expect, I'm going to ask you to stay in silence, but I expect there's going to be a naturally some a little talking. It just always happens of hello or whatever. But try not to get too much bustle. We're going to start talking in a minute. But if you have to talk a little to find your group, go ahead. You can shift your cushions around or do whatever you need to do. And just find a group of three. Just turn to your neighbor, please. And then when you get in your group, you can, you can turn it off. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.